isn't your typical Liam Neeson goes on a vision quest looking for revenge. Welcome to episode 22 of Get Spoiled. My name is Samantha Herman, joined as always by my co-hosts Jeremy Knight and Chris Wilson, and today we'll be spoiling the feature film, Cold Pursuit. I would like to give him Bobby's world, and I would like to say that maybe that's the best thing that he's ever done. Agreed. And he was also in Little Monsters with the Savage Brothers. Bobby's world is really good. Bobby's world is not really good. I think you're... I liked it a lot. I think you're looking at it through nostalgic, rose-tinged... I really liked it. Steampunk goggles. (laughs) I don't look at anything ever through steampunk goggles. And you know that, and you're trying to push my buttons. Yeah. (laughs) I refuse to wear steampunk (laughs) goggles or steampunk anything. Even if we are going to get into cosplay, which it seems like, you know, as time goes on, it's more and more likely. I refuse to have a steampunk element. Like, there's no way we're doing steampunk who's the boss. Just it's not happening. No, absolutely not. That would be that would be a disgrace. That would be disgracing who's the boss. That would would be be a a betrayal. betrayal. Well, I don't know. Some people would call it an augmentation. It's not right. You, maybe you could do a steampunk like Sailor Moon, you know, but you can't steampunk who's the boss. Like, it's just there's no logic there. No, Angela Bauer doesn't fit in that world. No, no, it's true. She doesn't have a handlebar mustache. What was Angela Bauer's job? I was thinking about this. Advertising. Was, advertising. She was You're completely right. But by the way, that's not a job. That's just an industry. But I don't think we have any, ever got any more clarity than that. Well, she worked at an agency for a while. And then I believe a plot point was when she started her own. Started her own, and Mona helped out with it. Yeah. Cold well, Pursuit, I thought, was, uh, like, very, very mildly clever as a title. Okay, this movie... Yeah. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but this movie is incredible. Yeah, I I just watched the trailer again, and that's what the feeling I got, and I was like, oh, man, like... I almost don't want to spoil it. It's... Yeah. It's so good. It had a, like, very overt Euro aesthetic that was unusual for a Liam Neeson vengeance joint and I was struck by it. Uh, I, Liam Neeson I, has said that this is his last action movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right, Doug. I think it's probably... Can you imagine being him, though? I would... Man. He's got to be sick of it. Like, you got to imagine. He's just like, yeah, okay, I have a special set of skills. Thanks a lot, guys. Let's move on, you know? All right. This was but... a different vibe. Are you sick of making twenty million? Like, uh, you, you can go be the like. What else is Liam Neeson gonna go do? He's gonna go get the like Andy Garcia role in Book Club. Like, is that what you want to do, Liam? <laughs> like, that's what's out there for I you, man. That, I think that's maybe what he does want to do. Maybe. I mean, he was, you know, he's probably one of the best parts of Love Actually. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe he's hoping for some sort of uh, Qui Gon Jinn <laughs> appearance in the broader Star Wars universe that is being uh, delivered to us in the upcoming decades. And he, I... he he has an important role in the Star Wars mythology. He's the one that discovers Anakin and insists yep. that Anakin is the chosen one, 
and it forces him into the Jedi training. Like that's true. Qui Gon's decision is responsible for the fate of the universe a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I need to watch Rogue One again. Rogue One rules. Rogue it's One really is good. fucking rad. It's really good. Um, Sam, are you still on the line? <laughs> oh, I've just been uh, just checking some stuff on my phone. I've been listening. I have nothing to contribute. So, do you like yeah. Do you like Star Wars? <laughs> I like Kylo Ren now. You like Kylo Ren shirtless? Okay, okay, <laughs> that's a thing. I liked when Mace Windu had a purple lightsaber because that's my color. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> what about Han Solo? Don't you like Han the Solo? Fact that, yeah, I do. The I mean, fact that God. the fact that Samuel Jackson demanded the purple lightsaber and then got it really upsets me. <laughs> what a what a dick! You got a role as a Jedi Master. Shut up and get take your lightsaber. You don't need to be a special flower. Yeah, I hear you, but I love seeing it aesthetically. Eh. Yeah, it, it's just because you like purple. Yeah, that's the I only like, reason. Yeah, I liked it too, though. I liked it too. He had a cool name and a cool lightsaber color. <laughs> and if we go back to Qui Gon Jinn, I also think that's a good Star Wars name. Not bad. Qui Gon Jinn, played by Liam Neeson, who stars in the movie <laughs> Cold Pursuit. <laughs> I'll tell you the, what really put me over the top that like, convinced me it was probably good is that Laura Dern is in it. Yes, just she is. the fact. The fact that she would have chosen to do this, especially right now, she's kind of on a roll. The fact that she would choose to be the love interest in a Liam Neeson action joint, I was like, <laughs> this must be good. Uh, I was, at first I was, there was a lot of activity. It had, the, the struggle with the recap is that it has as many people as Hunter Killer did and that they are all similarly non-famous white men. Uh huh. Uh huh. There so looked to be a number of um. There looked to be some First Nations uh, Indigenous peoples as well. That happens There's... a bit later into it, so okay. I was already uh, flummoxed by like, how am I going to remember all this? And then once I felt more confident, I, I was just all into this movie. Can you confirm that Barbie Girl is on the soundtrack? Yes. <sighs> that, that intrigues me. That intrigues me. <laughs> Because you could still definitely see it. There's not, even though you'll know what happens, you won't feel the essence of it. Yeah, I, I believe I that, that I will the, feel the essence of it. No, I just mean that you'll get something out of watching it, even though you know what happens. Yeah, well, I think that's always the case, probably. But you know, it's just most of the time, most of the movies we do, it's not, it's not worth it. <laughs> You know, engaging with that additional layer of uh, of experience for most of us, other than you. <laughs> what can I say? Um, passion. No, you're taking passion one for, for the for the team every time. And also, you would have seen these movies anyhow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> you remember when Tom Brady won his sixth Super Bowl? Oh my God! All I know is that I won the contest. Yeah, nicely done. Blue Gatorade. By a lot. Thanks, buddy. Ooh, what, uh, what about the hat? No hat. hat. I want no hat. No hat. No hat. Okay. And, and, it, uh, and in a, what about the shirt? In a stunning turn, Travis Scott did not go shirtless, but Levine did. Yeah, but I got that Whoa. right. Whoa. <laughs> We've this been talking for an hour without talking about this movie, really. We've touched on it. It's kind of like, it seems like it's a little bit like what Eastwood did with Unforgiven, where it was like a reflection back on all of these other movies he had made. I mean, it's I not like that this... 
deep. I, I know it's not that deep, but like in a similar way, this is like it seems like it's a bit of a comment on the very one man kicks a lot of ass movies that Liam Neeson has been making for a decade now. Can I ask, is uh, is uh, does Common make an appearance in this movie? <laughs> oh, God. No, and he didn't even appear in the trailers. Hmm. But he did the other day. Oh, really? A different set of trailers? Yeah. When I, um, what, for what For what film? I don't even remember. Let me look it up. But it, Why it, would you? <laughs> exactly. But the trailer had been going on for like a little bit, and I was like, this looks pretty cool. And then he just came in at the end. Yeah, I guess who waltzes on the screen. <laughs> You always have to be on guard for that. It can happen at any time. You got comment. Um, Dominic Lombardozzi is in this movie, who I greatly enjoy. Is that a real fact? Yes. And he plays Mustang. Ah, oh, from uh, The Wire. Yes. Yeah, and also John Doman from The Wire. He hates McNulty so Rawls. much. Oh, Rawls, yeah. that's right. He That's became right. act, he was act he was deputy commissioner and he became acting commissioner at one point. That's right. Yeah, and McNulty would not get off of his shit. <laughs> McNulty. He's really stuck in his craw, you know. He's also a cop in this movie. Hmm. There you go. So we have a little wire contingent in this in this film. Mm-hmm. We we have a we have a Jedi master. Yep. We've got uh William Forsythe, a legendary uh Probably, he's probably played a criminal in 30 movies in his life. Wow. And I'm sure he does once again here. And yes, we have Emily, Emily, Emmy Rossum, who <laughs> I don't remember why she's famous. She's on Shameless. So where does Cold Pursuit take place? Where's the setting? Uh, great question. It takes place in two parts. One is in Denver, Colorado, and the other is in Kehoe, Colorado, a ski community town three hours away from denver okay yeah they say kehoe a lot in the trailer i noticed a lot in the movie too a lot and they play up they played it up in the trailer and then they play it up even more on the poster which is a great poster about how he is citizen of the year yep um that's a big deal literally the trailer the poster is neeson dragging a body through the snow and it says meet nels coxman which we can also talk about <laughs> citizen of the year. Yeah. The last name Coxman plays not only a funny role, but a plot role in this film. <laughs> really? Oh God. The best part is that in the original film, uh, Stellan Skarsgård playing the equivalent character plays a character called Niels Dickman. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Oh my God. So <laughs> they just, they, they've continued their tradition. I'm going to have to watch both these movies. Yeah, yes. i got to watch the Starsguard one now. So we find ourselves in Colorado, two towns, Denver and Kehoe. Yeah, but they're related towns. So, like, Denver would be the big city to the Kehoe people. I see. It's the suburbs or the small town nearby. Yeah. And you said that Kehoe functions mainly as a tourist destination for skiing. It is recently blown up to be that. That's a, a thing we need to know. Um, and in particular, Liam Neeson's house is, like, even more away from Kehoe than like, super remote, um, basically overlooking the Kehoe town part. So okay. he's really an isolationist guy. Okay. The remote Coxman residence. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. in addition to being a Coxman... Mm-hmm. Uh, he also seems to be a plowman. Yeah, he's a plowman. <laughs> he plows Kehoe into being able to be uh, reached. Ah, critical role. Yeah. He he pl- he plows the only road that goes in and out of town. Correct. 
and this some... is the best movie like, already like <laughs> i'm sorry this movie is the best this movie it, is the best. it's so good uh and sometimes when they show him plowing it the tunnel that he's making is even taller than his plow so he has to be doing it like it's some significant plow work i assume this is a this is a, a town it's way up in the mountains where they're they're getting snowed in yes, quite exactly. a lot of the year like yeah. this is a he's got a he's he's got an important role and clearly he's a pillar of the community Yep, yeah. and speaking of, he arrives home from a dad on the plow uh, to his wife, Laura Dern, <laughs> who's just very casually smoking a reefer and preparing dinner. Yeah, and... it's Colorado. Yep. Drugs plays a, a role like, in this. Th- this movie's just nonstop amazingness. Like, everything you say, I'm like, this is the best movie of the year. But okay, anyway. Yeah. Grace Coxman, smoking <laughs> Grace a juge. Smoking a juge, cooking just dinner. Casual. Cooking up a little bolognese or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and she says, you have to get ready, and you know you're going to have to speak a little bit at this event. And he says, how many words? And she says, I think 100 would do. And the awards they're going to is his Citizen of the Year Award. Okay. Yeah, this is pretty good so far, I have to say. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we so also... have to go into Kehoe for this. Yeah, they have to go into town, yeah. and they also we also briefly meet their son Kyle, who has to borrow the car. He's around twenty, young twenties. How gruff do we feel that Liam Neeson is? Like on the scale of zero to Neeson, like one, not gruff. Not gruff. He's a gentle Neeson. He's a very quiet man, a man of very few words, but he's not an action guy uh, in his demeanor. And he's, other than the plow thing, he doesn't feel even like that outdoorsy. Does um is there anything that we get at the beginning of the movie to give us like a sense of what he's into or what his personality is like other than being quiet? Nope. Like what music does he listen to while he's plowing? <laughs> Probably none. Yeah, none. None. That none. is bland ass Neeson. <laughs> that all he needs is the no. Plow. Yeah, he just needs the music of the snow being sliced into the air. Yep. Mm-hmm. I um, all right. I just Pure. googled this the actor that plays Kyle, the son. His name is Michael Richardson, but that's because he chose to go with his mother's last name. Uh, this is Liam Neeson's actual son. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. He's the son of Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson, which means he's basically like acting royalty because he's also a red Natasha grave. Richardson is a red grave and on and on it goes. Yeah. I oh did not know that. Okay, so we see Neeson at the dinner and he says that when you drive the same road every day, you sometimes start to wonder if... There are other roads out there, but I know that I picked the right road for me. I picked it early, and I'm happy with it. I'm a very lucky guy. Fuck. For a guy who didn't want to speak, he fucking dropped bombs. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So he's been I, I doing this for a long time, we, we assume. Yeah, he's just the, the plow guy. He's the plow guy. Yep. Co- Coxman is the plow guy. <laughs> yep. Um, meanwhile, we see the son at work. He works at the local Kehoe airport doing the baggage stuff. A bagman. He's a bagman. Mm-hmm. So, Coxman the bagman. Yeah. He's wrapping up in the locker room and he's swiftly come upon by a thug who bags him, uh, like over the head and yep. takes him into a waiting van. And there's probably five guys, including the original thug and... They inject him with something, and he struggles with them, and he runs off into the woods, and they're like, oh, man. And then we don't really see what happens right away, but we later see that they've propped up the son, Weekend of Bernie style, at a local Denver cafe. Uh, He's still kind of alive, but then he doesn't make it, and we see the first title card of uh, Kyle Coxman 
with a cross. And this happens every time that there's a new death. Their name flashes as a card. With a cross. With whatever their uh, faith is. Ah, wow. Oh, oh. that's, uh, so that's juicy. Um, can we, can, so good. You said propped up Weekend at Bernie's style, which really yeah. uh, piqued my interest. Because I love Weekend at Bernie's. Um, yeah, I drill down on that. They can, just put him can, at was his he cafe propped table. up as in, oh, they put him alone. They didn't have him no, like, between like, two people no. tied to them or r- his arms rigged up on pulleys or anything no, like no, that. No, no, like they sit with him for a bit and then they leave him there and he, they think he's alive and then he droops and he's not. Okay. Mm. Not a very successful Bernie. That was the Bernie right. thing. Yeah, the sunglasses. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, no mustache, though. No. Meanwhile, no beach house. so everyone in this movie who's a criminal has a code name. Yes. And I know most of them because I was very into it. And so normally I don't do my notes until sometime after, but I was so compelled by this movie. And also I wanted to get the details right that I sat in my car and wrote down the death list right away so I could get it. Um, it's beautiful. And then I uh, supplemented with looking up their names on IMDb. So I do know most of the code names. So we meet Viking. Um, his real name is Trevor and his crew and his son in Denver. And we don't really get a lot of information, but he seems to be a drug kingpin of some sort. He's really weird. And he's telling his son about getting bullied and that the son has yet to read the copy of Lord of the Flies he left for him. And... If he had read it, he would know exactly what to do, and he should be wailing on his bully like a bully needs to be bullied. That's his philosophy. And sorry, so he's weird in the sense. Sorry, he's weird in the sense of his overall demeanor and everything about him is just very odd. He's an oddball. Yeah, and he. I'm looking at pictures. He's from the trailer. He's the. He's a younger man. He's very slick, like put together, a handsome guy. Yes, and he's. We learn the son of. first gen dealer so he's taken over the mantle okay and he lives in denver yeah yeah the big city yeah and he's upset that the kyle situation didn't go smoothly kyle being kyle coxman so liam returns home from the plow and lord dern is frantically running towards him without shoes because she's just received the news and they go to the corner to see the body and in like a really time-consuming scene, the coroner cranks up the bed from a low level to be at normal bed level while they just mm-hmm. stand there waiting. It takes probably a minute. They just silently are cranking the body up. I, at that point, understood that this was a different type of movie. The body I, that has a sheet over it, I assume. Not even. His face is uncovered. Oh, wow. So they're just standing there uncomfortably looking at their dead son. Yeah. And you felt okay. like the, the choice to make that play over a minute, which is like feels like ten minutes in movie time, it was like a powerful choice. Yeah, letting you know this ain't your grandmother's Liam Neeson action movie. Yeah, this is no Taken Five. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, right on. <laughs> no, we don't need a Taken Five. No, I mean, we, I would see we it. Need this, but we yeah, need this is something else. Yeah. Yeah, of course you would see it, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> that says nothing. I know. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, okay, so they so after a minute, spoiler alert, the body is now at 
bed bed height. Young Coxman has been confirmed dead by his family, I assume. <laughs> yeah, but they don't even really ID it. They're just waiting to like see him. And Lord Nern's really upset. She's like caressing the son's face. And the coroner says it was a heroin overdose. And Liam says my son wasn't a druggie. He wasn't a druggie. And the doctor, who has a very hipstery haircut, but is older than a hipster, which I found interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw him um, in the trailer. Good description. Yeah, and he's just like, that's what all the parents say. Sorry, buddy. But Liam refuses to believe it. Meanwhile, Lord Dern just accuses Liam Neeson of not knowing their son. And she says, what did you guys talk about on all your hunting trips? And he says, hunting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, so the son was a baggage handler. He was a baggage handler. Yeah. And he lived in a small town. And he worked at the Denver airport. Kehoe airport. What Kehoe has an airport? Yeah, it's a, a little private system. airport. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he must have been bored then. Like, I feel like you know maybe he wasn't a druggie, but the the fact that he got mixed up in some shit seems possible or even likely. Like, he must have been doing something to entertain himself. Uh, he's an innocent sure. lamb. So Liam is overwhelmed by his grief, and he goes to the plow, um, like the garage where he keeps the plow. The plowery? Yeah, the plowery. And it's just got, like, just his stuff lying around, including uh, liquor bottles and a shotgun. So he takes a big swig out of an old bottle, throws it on the ground, and then positions the shotgun to be uh, on the floor and then up into his mouth. So he just sits like that for a while. He sits like that for a while? Yeah. Yep. This is the best movie ever made, period. Yeah, it's, yeah. You gotta see this movie. Oh, God. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, I, I, there's a real, in the trailer, there's a, they make a, quite a bit of, uh, they call a lot of attention to the sawing off of the shotgun. Did he do that there? That happens later. Okay. So, yeah, this so, is a full that's length. A, this is a full barreled, full yeah. barreled going in the Same gun, though. Same gun, yeah. Okay, thank you. And... Uh, we see another young man hidden away also in the same garage and he's beaten up and we can't really tell what he wants to do. He wants to leave, but is he going to intervene? And he makes a noise and distracts Liam Neeson and he says, I'm so sorry. Um, Kyle had no idea. So they know each other. He was also a bag man at the airport and friends of Kyle. And he says, Kyle had no idea. It was just one bag. I'm so sorry. Do you have any money? I need to get out. Like they'll do it to me too. And Liam just throws him against the wall and says, I need a name. And the part that from this part on that interested me was that Liam just makes a lot of assumptions, gathers almost no information, but just proceeds with his heart. This movie does not give a lot of answers a lot of the time, but he was beaten up. I, what I determined was that he's afraid that the Viking thugs are going to come after him too because he was a Kyle associate. I'm not sure why he was in the garage. Maybe because it was a safe place to hide. But Neeson knows this kid. Yeah. Well, this kid clearly doesn't have family of his own or anything. Or maybe he doesn't want to hide at his own home because he could be easily found there. All those things. (laughs) Yeah. And so Dante, that's his name, he says, Speedo, and he runs off. So without gathering any other information or really asking what do you mean it was only one bag like he asks no questions he tracks down this guy speedo to a nightclub in denver and it's a pretty flashy How? club i don't know okay wait wait wait. <laughs> facebook based on the name speedo yeah he just 
He Googles Speedo, ignores <laughs> all the bathing suits, and goes right to a nightclub in Denver. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But that's right. what happens. And he follows Speedo into an elevator, so it's just the two of them. And he says, what did you do to my son, Kyle? And Speedo is very cavalier and very rude and kind of laughs him off. And is like, I don't know your son, man. Like, I don't care. But, like, clearly he does know. He just isn't really engaging with the conversation. At which point, Liam Neeson punches him crack into the face and beats him almost to a pulp. In the club. Very, in the elevator of the club. Elevator, okay. And he drags him into his van. So he has two vehicles in use in this movie. The plow and then just his general doing stuff around town rescue van. Like a maintenance van? Yeah, maintenance van. So he drags Shino sure. into the van, waits for him to wake up. Uh, when he does wake up, he says, all I know is that I work for a guy named Limbo. And Neeson takes Speedo's phone, looks up Limbo, and says, is that him? Holds up the photo. Speedo says yes. And then Liam strangles him to death. He perks back up briefly, and then he has to do it again. Oh, yeah, that was in the trailer. This is really <laughs> moving quickly. Yep. This is really... Like, I, I think it's important that you pointed out the fact, because I would have pointed it out if you hadn't, um, that he makes a lot of assumptions and doesn't hesitate <laughs> yeah. in Does murdering hesitate, and moving hesitate. on. Yep. Um, which I guess is cool in a movie. In real life, wouldn't be that cool. Like, <laughs> wouldn't be maybe, I, I don't know if I could get behind it. The thing that I liked about it was that it demanded that I put together the backstory for myself. It wasn't just thrown down my throat. It was like I had to figure mm. out what the drug trade situation was and how Viking was involved. So it yeah. seems like in this in the in the Colorado drug um, business, it seems like all level of of drug seller people have these nicknames because Speedo clearly was not the most they high all level have of these dudes. Nicknames. Yes. Yeah, they all... He didn't have bodyguards or anything, right? Like, he was just alone in the elevator with him. Yeah. So he was, like, a relatively low-level dude who just happens to have, like... Yeah, he was, like, a street dealer level. Speedo. Okay. But also, Couple he was the one limbo. that bagged the son in the beginning. Sorry, I didn't say oh, we, that. Right. So he's, that? Uh, okay. he's an active thug of Vikings. Right. He's a hands-on thug, not yeah. a management thug. Yeah. Two um, questions. Yep. Two questions. What? Where did Dante go after he gave the name Speedo? He ran off into the mist. Ran off in the midst. Okay. And second question, he strangles, uh, Neeson strangles Speedo to death. Yes. Do we get that title card thing again? Yes. What religion is he? Most of them had crosses. Okay. Uh, there was one Star of David later. There were a couple <laughs> more like Catholic style crosses. And then when we meet the, the indigenous community, they get their own iconography for their death cards later. I like that. Spoiler That's alert. Everyone, a lot of people die in this movie. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that there was a Satanist or something. Yeah. Maybe there cool. was. It was, yeah. Moving quickly, crosses, as though. we've established, Coxman's just murdering left, right, and center. You can't, can't keep track of all the religions. Really anyway, we see Liam package up Speedo and some chicken wire and dumps him over a icy waterfall in Yeah, Kino. he does. So I guess he's just left uh, mourning Grace Coxman at home to just deal. And he's uh, he's moving on forward with his with his own agenda here. Yeah, he doesn't tell her any of this. We'll come back to her soon. Um, All right. But in answer to your uh, other question, at this time, he prepares a sawed off shotgun and saws it off and like make sure it fits in his coat undetected. Amazing. And he's still wearing that plow coat with the, like, reflective tape? A lot of the time he's wearing that plow coat. 
good, good. Not in that <laughs> moment, but most of the movie, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. All right. All right. Does he seem to be, like, nervous or over excited when murdering or like no, he's, this is not he's something he's done before okay yeah that was like, his first murder is, right? his, is yep. his heart rate up like or he's nope. just like you know calm calm coxman as always very calm coxman <laughs> all right wow he must be taking some beta blockers or something <laughs> <laughs> he's just unflappable yeah, I mean, I think he, like, reacts when Speedo briefly wakes back up and he has to continue strangling him, but uh, he but more in, like, an upset. annoyed way? Like, yeah, oh, like, man, oh. I gotta do more straggling. Ah. Uh. Or it's like, oh, I didn't finish. Well, let me uh, continue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get the job done. Yeah, this movie's wild. Um, okay. okay, so at the same time, so we meet new characters, um, Emmy Rossum and what do you want to call the wire cop guy? John Rawls. Bellman? Rawls? Okay, so we meet Emmy and Rawls. They're doing the beat in Kehoe. They're cops and partners, and they're talking about the drug problem taking over the town. Now that it's become more of a robust ski tourist community, it's just getting a bit overrun by drugs. Emmy is a new cop, and she is still eager and wants to do something about it, while Rawls is 30 years deep in his veteran cop career and is just complacent and doesn't really care. Is he crusty? He's crusty, yeah. Oh, I love it. And so love I'm a not, crusty Rawls. They don't yeah. really function too much. I'm just going to spoil ahead a bunch of their plot lines. She has a lover in Denver that she manipulates into sending her files that he shouldn't, and Rawls just makes fun of her about it. That lover never materializes more than a voice on the phone, and so they basically serve only as an exposition tool to kind of give context to the drug situation in some of the characters. But they don't really investigate too much, and you could extract them from the movie, and it wouldn't make too much difference. The Wonderful. lover is also a cop who yeah. who sends her police files. Yeah, from Denver. He's and her, cop. her, and Rawls, who in this movie, uh, his character's name is John Gip Gipsky. Gip <laughs> yeah. is a good is a Gip is a good name. Not um, as good as Rawls. I, yeah, but I'd be fine with Gip also, just for the record. Uh, I would not. Th- they're partners, <laughs> the two of them. Yes. So he's been partnered up with a with an up and comer. Yes. All right. Um, okay, back to Liam. He finds Limbo. Don't know how, but he does. <laughs> Working in, in, in Denver again. In Is Denver. He still in Denver. Okay. Yeah, in Denver. Um, I think he's been home in between, but the next we see him, he's found Limbo at a bridal shop that Limbo's running, and Limbo what? wraps up a sale with a customer that's in there while Liam patiently waits, looking at dresses, and this goes on for some time too. And then finally the customers leave and Limo says, how can I help you, sir? And he says he needs a tuxedo for a renewing of his vows, but he's acting a little bit suspiciously. And when Limbo goes behind his counter, he very immediately pulls out a gun of his own and shoots at Liam Neeson. But he is ready for it, reacts accordingly and dodges it and whips out his shotgun and um, just blasts Limbo uh, into all the white wedding dresses Laying red blood everywhere. Um, it's it, it, this okay. is a true <laughs> true masterpiece. This movie is a true masterpiece. So Limbo <laughs> just felt like felt that um, that Coxman energy in the room. Yeah, yeah, that re- reacted accordingly, but he missed. Yep, he missed. And in his death 
final breaths, he says, all I know is that the mule is Santa. He's the one that flies Nikio, and he's the one who does all the drops. And Liam says, why Santa? And he says, he looks like Santa. Which, incidentally, he definitely does not, but that's the information <laughs> that Liam gets. Yeah, and, the, uh, the nickname for Santa would be much more obvious. He's the one that comes in and flies in and delivers things. Like, that's good enough that you don't... You shouldn't have to ask why Santa, given that explanation. Yep. Uh, don't and... mean why Limbo? <laughs> yeah, why Limbo? Because he loves Limbo. <laughs> yep. But uh, he's dead. He gets his death card. So done with Limbo. R.I.P. Limbo. Yep. Back... I hardly knew. <laughs> yeah. Back so in... sorry. Bridal shop, broad daylight, downtown Denver, Colorado. Yep. Shotgun blast, murder. Chicken wire, same waterfall, same move. He just walks out the front door with this chicken wired up shotgunned body and everyone's like, nice to see you, Coxman. (laughs) I don't know, but yes. They don't even bother with that. He doesn't take the body with him. He does. He takes it because he chicken wires it and throws it over the same waterfall. He doesn't chicken wire and roll up the whole crime scene. We don't see that. We just see it when he does the waterfall. So it's like he's dead, cut to throwing over the waterfall. Wow. Wow. Okay. He disposes of these bodies in a very routine way yeah i like can i can i ask is there and this is maybe just a general spoiler question is there is there any um insight into denver police checking into these murders that are happening no only through emmy rossum's denver pd connection who we never see we only hear on the phone okay so but Someone is taking a look at the fact that people are being blown away in broad daylight. A little bit. It doesn't play too much into it, though. Yeah. Like, yes, it's happening, but it's not really happening in the context of the movie. Okay. Um, Coxman is not thinking about the consequences of his actions. Nope. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) So Trevor, a.k.a. Viking, receives word about his missing guys, and he's very angry. Um, We also meet his son, who's probably... I don't know, eight. Uh, oh, we already met him with the uh, Lord, Lord of the, the Flies thing. So he's yeah. there. He's very precocious. He's got a very dry and wry sense of humor. Big fan of the sun. And the sun is bonding with the Viking number two guy who is um, Herc from The Wire, a.k.a. Mustang. Mustang, okay. So they have but a that's, relationship. That's Herc from The Wire, but we'll call him Mustang because, yeah, that's, that's it's good. <laughs> it's strong. Yeah. It is good. Did he read Lord of the Flies yet, this precocious kid? No further reference. Mm, it's too bad. Um, Liam gets home. Oh, he like has gone home after one of the earlier murders and was like, I'm back, honey. And Dern and his relationship is strained, but we they barely interact. Um, so he gets home another time and there's a note, like all her stuff is gone and there's a note in an envelope laying on their bed. He goes to it, opens it and takes out the note from the envelope and it is blank. It's a paper in an envelope, and there's nothing on the paper. And guess what? Laura Dern is never in the movie again. Uh, Is it an invisible ink situation? No, it's just like, you're such a man of few words that I don't even want to waste my time telling you why I've left you. Wow. Did their relationship seem good prior to the son dying? It seemed, yeah, like she was helping with his cufflinks and getting ready for the dinner. So it was pretty abrupt. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, their son grieving. gets murdered and yeah. he just completely disappears and off in his van to Denver <laughs> for days on end doing Lord knows what. And the symbolic power of the blank note. 
I was stunned. Oh my God, that's fucking deadly. Yeah, it's deadly. A I note of no time. words to a man of few words. Yeah, I took the time to take this piece of paper and write nothing on it and put it in an envelope and leave it for you. Yeah. Did you write his name on the envelope? No. Wow. It's like when you tip somebody five cents as opposed to nothing. Yeah, like you took worse. extra effort to really kick me in the face. Yeah. It's not that I don't tip. I thought about tipping, and this is the amount that I came up with. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This movie is uh, brutal. Um, but Liam is pretty unflappable, and he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and he tracks... <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. Yep. He tracks like he makes no effort to do anything about that. He's like, yeah, message received. Um, so there's nothing about Lord Dern the rest of the movie. His reaction to it, her presence in the movie, nothing. All right. Spoiler alert. But she lives because we don't get a title card that says Laura Dern. She lives. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Good. So Liam hunts down Santa to the airport and follows him, chasing him in the plow. And then How he, did he know where Santa's from? He, he, he knows he's the guy who does the the flights so in Kehoe. He comes in and out of the Kehoe airport. Yeah, so he just okay. stakes him out there and follows him. Fair enough. Okay, that's fair. I can't imagine too many people are going in and out of the Kehoe airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially named Santa. <laughs> yeah, he had to check everyone's passport. He like barely has like facial hair, and he's not really husky or any. Like I don't. It makes no sense that that's. Does he have a twinkle in his eye? No. Oh, wow. What well, kind of velvet suit is he wearing? <laughs> not. What kind of sack does he have over his shoulder? <laughs> He's only got one sack, and it's not over his shoulder. Does um, he try to force woo! children to sit on his lap and make them cry? Probably off screen. Yeah, probably. So he's following him, and then Liam veers off turn and makes a big U-turn and then rejoins the plow drive, but now face forward, so facing Santa's car meaning that they can't pass each other. So they both get out to say, like, hey, who's going to go? No. Liam gets out to ask Santa if he would back up so Liam could go through. But really, he's faking it just so he could approach him. And he bashes his face into the steering wheel and drags him out into the snow. And they get into it. Uh, fist fight. And they kind of start laughing because Santa says, aren't you tired, man? And Liam bursts into, like, anxiety laughter, and they slump together into the, uh, into the plow part, kind of, like, nestled into it, sitting against it, laughing together, and then Liam, (laughs) Liam very (laughs) casually takes out a shotgun and just, from, like, a side diagonal angle, just blasts the guy. So... He takes the time to say, aren't you tired, man? But he doesn't say, who are you and what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Nope. All right. This this is poetry. (laughs) This is transcended film at this point. I don't know what this is, but this is. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Does he then plow the body like off of a bridge or something? He plows his car off the mountain. Yes. Does he do oh, the yeah, chicken? Oh, yeah, that was in the trailer. Yes. Does he do the chicken, chicken wire? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, then okay, he gets his, <laughs> and then he gets his title card. Um, let's see. I assume Santa's also a Christian man. Oh, yeah. He gets the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, back to Trevor, a.k.a. Viking, who goes on a very racist rant, screaming, I know it's the Indians who are doing this, 
and he says many slurs that I don't feel comfortable repeating. Well, he just goes on and on about, like, those damn Indians, and, like, I know it's just them. And so he explains to his crew in Mustang that his father, so Viking's father, and the leader of this Indian tribe, who I believe are Utes, of the Ute, the Ute tribe. tribe. That's what they, okay. one of his guys speculates that. I have no okay. reason to believe he's wrong. Um, so that Viking's father and White Bull, their leader, split up turf years ago for drug-related trades. Um, but then Ke- and White Bull got Kehoe, but now Kehoe is valuable because it's a ski resort and it's like a hotbed for it. And so Viking is now trying to take it back. And so there's that controversy between those teams. Okay, so Viking has been making moves in Kehoe and now thinks that the killing of his men is a retaliation from the Utes. That is correct. For that, for that move. Yes. Okay. Every time I hear Utes, I can't... Of course. <laughs> the Utes of today. Like, <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Nor should goddamn you. goddamn Utes. Um, uh, okay. two Utes. <laughs> So he says, Viking says, I want to return the token to White Bull, the token that sealed the deal between his, between my father and him. And it's uh, some sort of like a saber tooth on a chain. And He so wants he, to return that to White Bull. To say, yeah, the deal is over. Sorry, it's a saber tooth on it, like a, like a big gold chain with a saber tooth pendant? Such an actual tooth. An actual tooth, yeah, on a chain. It's pretty baller. Yeah. It is baller. So... Th- that symbol, handing it back, will mean our deal is over? Well, what I didn't yet say was that they send it back hung on the dead body of White Bull's son. Oh. Well, that's just disrespectful. Well, that definitely gets the message across. <laughs> yeah, so he sends out his guys to the airport because all the activity is going through the Kehoe Airport. And they track down Legru, that's the son. They kill him and put the necklace on him and then hang him, um, suspend him from a mile marker sign prominently on the road. All right. Jeez. Viking and his crew do that to LeGru. Yeah. White Bull's. Now, White Bull will be pretty old, so LeGru is like a young man, maybe Viking's age. Exactly. Okay. I like the name LeGru. Me too. And uh, White Bull mourns this and says it was his first run, and he said he could do it, and this is what happened to my son. He's not mad at the son. He's just very mournful that, of all times, it happened on his first – because I think they would have killed anyone to – it just happened to be his son that they got, that they nabbed. This is how we meet White Bull. We hadn't yet seen White Bull, the character. That's correct. Played by Tom Jackson, legend. Yeah. So – um. A lot of Canadians in this movie. It was clearly shot in Canada. Yeah. Um, so he, we meet White Bull when White Bull discovers the body. Is, is it like, or do they bring? Do they bring the body to him? They find his... it uh, at the mile marker. Just White hanging Bull there. Yeah, and his crew, oh, wow. who is uh, equal in size to the Viking crew, including yep. his second command, who's wearing just like a pimped out fur lined. Or like a fur collared dope jacket. I love that. What's that guy's name? Um he has Big a good boy. one, hold on. Is he War Dog? Yeah, he's War Dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. The character's name is War Dog? Yeah, I've been looking at the cast list and uh, I've been waiting for War Dog to show up. 
War Dog is yep. the best name in this movie so far. War Dog. Yep. I also like the character named Drunken Ski Dude, but I'm sure we'll meet him later. <laughs> um, I just want to cut back because I know this will entertain you, but it's a bit of a side plot. While waiting for LeGru, two of the guys are sitting together in the car just on the stakeout, and one of them shares his strategy for his lovemaking pursuits. His name is Bone. <laughs> and <Fittingly. laughs> he shares that he stays in a motel a hundred nights out of the year and Whoa. he puts the please come and clean sign on the door and then lays on top of the bed nude, places a $20 bill over his Jimmy, his words. And then when the maid comes in, he says she has a choice. She can either back away, decline, no harm, no foul, or she can come and collect. And his compatriot says, what kind of success rate do you have? And he says, 31%. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Can you imagine him updating his spreadsheet after every (laughs) attempt? Yep. And then the guy, the friend says, but you can't really manage quality control. And he says, you get what you pay for. For 20 bucks? Like, I'm satisfied. Um, Okay. So back to Liam. He visits his estranged brother. I'm sorry. I can't. 31% is... (laughs) The funniest line of the year in film. <laughs> what percent would you have expected? I would two percent. Yeah, I would expect a lower Zero percent. Zero to two percent. Is he a good-looking man? This bone. Yeah, he's Mr. Bone. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. He was a yeah, like a young coxman in his own right. Thirty-one um... <laughs> percent is so great. It's so great. Yeah, it stood out to me. That's why I remembered. I didn't even write it down. Oh, um, fuck. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm ready. (laughs) This movie is just, it's got it all. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so Liam goes to visit his brother, Brock Coxman, who... (laughs) (laughs) B-Cox. Broxman. Yeah, and that's uh, William Forsyth, and they're strange, and Brock says, what are you doing here? He says, Kyle's dead. He says, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And so he visits a couple of times, but I'm just going to condense both visits into one set of information. Because it doesn't really matter. Um, We learn that Brock used to work for Viking's dad back in the day. Okay. Oh, Uh, and sorry, quick question. I assume Viking's dad is dead. Yeah, they don't even confirm, but I think he must. He's not a character. Okay. And it doesn't matter how he died. There's no no story there. No. Okay. Fair enough. Um, So, yeah, he used to work for Viking's dad. So he's kind of familiar with the way they operate. And he says... You won't be able to do it. You've never killed anyone. And Liam says, I've already killed three of his guys. And he just confesses <laughs> everything. And then he says, how have you been disposing of the bodies? And he says, I've been chicken wiring them and throwing them over the waterfall. And he says, chicken wire? Why? And he says, so the fish can eat the flesh and they won't get gassy and won't rise to the top. And he says, Brock says, you've really thought that out. And he says, yeah, I read it in a crime novel. That's I was wondering why he was chicken wiring them, to be honest. It didn't yeah. seem like it was really going to help anything, but it turns out I was wrong, and he was right. Yeah, he was very well prepared. We also meet Brock's wife, who is, I believe, Chinese, at least some sort of Asian language she speaks. I think Chinese, because they have a lot of um, like Chinese temple artifacts around the home, mm-hmm. like yeah, prayer yeah. temples. And he says, jokingly, as an aside, meet my wife. I mean, 
You never know what's going to happen. I was sent to beat the shit out of her because she was skimming the till at the massage parlor she worked at. And look at us now. And he holds up his hand and he has a wedding ring on it. Okay. That's beautiful. Her name is On, A-H-N. So uh, she's probably Korean. Korean? That was my other guess. I would I would guess Korean probably. But uh, who knows? Sounds like she doesn't have to work at the... Uh... At the massage parlor anymore, which is nice for her. <laughs> Super nice. Unless, unless she loved it, in which case I hope she's still working. But Yeah, me too. Don't I don't mean, much about I it. I hope that Ann is happy, bottom yeah. line. And it sounds like she is. <laughs> so, I, I and I think I saw this in the trailer a bit, like, Brock's doing pretty well for himself. Like, he has yeah, like they a live in a sweet... huge, yeah, huge house. I don't know okay. what his current industry is, because he doesn't do the Viking drug runs anymore, but he does tell Liam Neeson that you're never going to get to Viking without a hitman. And Neeson immediately and very calmly says, okay, do you know anyone? <laughs> and Brock says, yeah, the Eskimo. Here's his contact information. <laughs> the Eskimo. Yep. <sighs> and we also learn that Brock's name, because Liam says, why does everyone have a nickname? The Eskimo, Speedo, what's going on? And he says, we all just had like a code word. And he says, what was yours? And he says, wingman. And Liam Neeson says, wingman. He says, yeah, you know, like in Top Gun. You can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like they were at this point it's like they're writing the movie for the two of you <laughs> oh my god my yeah. name's goose can we wrap this up so that i can leave and go see this right now <laughs> oh there's so many more deaths to go oh god how good is this movie it's uh i think we should we might as well stop <laughs> doing this podcast and i'm pretty sure people should stop making movies i don't know what the point of it of going on is i don't (laughs) i mean i think it sounds pretty good so liam's now back in the plow and he's driving by white bull and his crew are still at the mile marker they're doing a indigenous community ute tribe uh, morning ritual at the site of the death and Liam and White Bull lock eyes meaningfully on the road. It was meaningful to me, but they do not interact at this time. But it was just, to me, it was like, oh, both of our sons were killed by the same guy. We don't necessarily know it yet, but we're connecting. That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. It's a moment. Thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> You're welcome. It stood out to me. Um, back in Denver, Viking's house, his ex-wife comes over and they fight about custody and he's just like, complete dick to her and he says this is his new diet and she reads it and it's like really crazy it's like beef and broccoli for breakfast beef and broccoli for lunch beef and broccoli for dinner and she says you want our son to eat the same three elaborate meals the same every day and he says that's just monday tuesday it's different and it's like chicken rice chicken rice and she's like, this is insane i'm not doing this and he says Everything starts from the insides, and you keep it simple, you'll live forever. I demand it. And that's not really like a plot point. It was just crazy, and it went on for a long time. I love how much time we're spending with the villain's home life. Yeah. It's weird and great. (laughs) And how little time we're spending with dwelling on any of the murders. It's a real real decision that's being made, but, um, (laughs) but it's keeping my attention also. And the wife of the hero left. She just left the movie. (laughs) Yeah, didn't ask any questions. He never told her, guess what? He wasn't a heroin addict. Like, there is something in play here that I'm pursuing. None of that. That's the part that upsets me a little bit. It's like she left thinking that, A, her son was a heroin addict. 
and B, her husband is just decided to screw off and not deal with it at all when in fact neither of those things are true her son was not a heroin addict and her husband is definitely <laughs> dealing with it on some level yep now does what confirmed for liam neeson that his son wasn't a heroin addict just the word of dante when he was like it was just one bag and whatever that vague... he already didn't believe it he was never he didn't going believe to believe it, it. He didn't believe it, but we haven't seen any definitive plot point that confirms that. We just, right? Just, and we just never inferring. Do. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. He knows it in his heart. Yeah. He knows in his heart, and he and and Dante's um, message, while not one hundred percent clear, leaned that way. Yeah, it was like we got mixed up into something, and he was killed because of that. Yeah. Uh, also at the Viking household, the son helps Mustang with his fantasy football, and they discuss loyalty because the son says. I'm looking at your team because Mustang says, I can't win, man. Like, you need to help me out, buddy, because the kid's like, precocious. And the son reviews it and he says, you've got four Cleveland Browns. And he says, I, well, it's my hometown team. What am I going to do? And he says, I can't help you. And Mustang, oh, So it's fantasy football. Fantasy football. Yeah, yeah. Fantasy football. And Mustang says, well, I'm just loyal. You know, that's just my way. And the son says, I can't help you. Like, he's just disgusted by his team and, like, not doing it right. Fucking um, junior. Very yeah. precocious. But the like Browns in a cute suck. way, not an angry way. No, it's good. Awesome. And it's um, cute that Mustang, he's like a lovable galoot. Well, and, and the, even... the loyalty matters too, though. Everything I tell you matters. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Um, shortly after this, I'm just going to skip ahead because it's in my note. Um, the son did help with the football and he does win. And he's sitting in the car with one of the other Viking guys, Dexter. And he's like, what am I going to do with my money? I won 10 grand. I'm so excited. Where am I going to go on vacation? And then they lock hands in a loving embrace. And Dexter says, you want to take me on vacation? And we learn that they are secretly lovers. Oh, my. What a charming scene. So they lock eyes and we learn that they're lovers. Do they kiss? Do they they mouth to mouth? Yes, they do. Great. Um... Back to Liam, he follows through on the Hitman protocol, which is to send the Eskimo a train ticket and then pick him up at the station and drive him into town, which he does. And they broker the arrangement, and Liam tells him who his target is and pays him part of the money up front. The Eskimo instead goes to visit the Viking and repeats all of this and says, he offered me 90 grand, I'll sell you the information of who, uh, who sent me. For all the same ninety grand, and like instead of doing it, and the Eskimo, I'm noticing, not an indigenous person. Right, that does get brought up. Um, Liam Neeson says, "Why is the Eskimo your name?" And he says, "Because all of my fellow black friends said the only N word crazy enough to go live up where I live in the north is an Eskimo." That's yeah, pretty like good. That. Yeah, it's a pretty good way to get the nickname, yeah. Okay. It's not just... Uh, no one else has a the in their name. No, he's the he's only the one. He's the Eskimo. Yeah. It's true. Interesting. So that so the Eskimo is just cold-blooded. Yeah, he's all about business. Cold-blooded. So the Viking says, okay. Sorry, did Liam Neeson pay the 90 grand, or is it is it like half now, half later? What What's the payment plan there? Um, great the question. Head? That actually is largely discussed, because... <laughs> Um, the wingman, wingman tells him it's half-half, and then yeah. when he gives him the half, the Eskimo says, it's not half-half anymore. Only cops think it's half-half. Everyone on the street knows it's two-thirds, one-third. So are you a cop? 
And he says, no, I'm not here. It's two thirds is fine. So he gives two thirds. So the Eskimo pockets 60 grand. Yep. Then he turns around and goes across the street to Viking and goes, if you give me 90 grand, I'll tell you who just paid me this 60 to kill you. Yep. Amazing. He's a player. (laughs) And the Viking says, okay, who did it? And he says, some guy named Coxman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, that could be problematic. That's juicy. And Viking says, oh, Coxman. I remember that name. He used to be one of my dad's guys. Coxman, you mean wingman? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Viking says, by the way, the Eskimo, you have really poor customer service. You've just taken a gig and then come over here and betrayed it and they kill the Eskimo. Good, good. So he gets his card. And now Viking is up, can just take that 60 grand right out of Eskimo's pocket. Yeah. Plus, the, so, and he never paid him the 90, obviously, because he killed him. I see. Okay. My assumption was that the death cards on the screen were only from people who were killed by Coxman. No, nope, but it it's turns everybody. out it's everybody. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Viking has his guys pick up Brock, the wingman, um, and the wife holds up her hand to the window, knowing that something is going down that's wrong. And they threaten him to ask why he would want revenge on Viking. And he says, I don't care what you do to me. I have cancer up the ass anyway. I want revenge on Viking's dad because he stole a woman from me. And I wanted to take his son, which is not true. But he's not going to reveal Liam's participation in this. Yeah. He stares out into the beautiful snowy mountains and cut to his cards. We don't see him get killed, but he gets killed. Um. And did Viking go on that trip, or did he just send his No, goons? just his guys. Okay. And then we see Liam and On the Wife go to his grave. She's there with a pink suitcase. She spits on the grave, like in a big hork, and stomps off with her suitcase back to somewhere Ouch. else. Back to her old life, I guess. Back to and the massage parlor. Yeah. What drove that, do you think? I think she thought he was back in the game, where he had been saying he was clean. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. And of course, Liam Neeson says nothing to help address that issue. Correct. And be He's like, a man of no words. Your husband was innocent. He did nothing but give me a name. <laughs> he had left crime behind. His death is all my fault. Nope, he does not, not He's do my that. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, by the way, I like the term man of no words <laughs> as opposed to man of few words. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't do any of that. Very easily could, does not. Um, let's see. Okay, next it's kind of a we... dick move, Jesus. Yeah, well, so is not trying she to do... call his wife and explain that her son's not a heroin addict. But he's got his yeah. own one-track mind right now, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does. And that is killing. And then wrapping <laughs> bodies up in chicken wire and throwing them in the river. <laughs> then we see on the news a report of Dante's death, um, a similar heroin overdose, which we can infer is also staged. Yeah, they got to him. So we get his card. Yep. Um, it's really not necessary, and I kind of covered this a little bit, but we see Emmy Rossum learn about this as well, and she's very excited that clearly there's a drug turf war going on between the White Bull crew and the Viking crew, and she wants to pursue it, and um, Rawls is still not interested. And Why again, isn't Rawls interested? He's just like, this is just how this is. What? <laughs> Murder? Not the murders, the drugs. Yeah, and it's a crime, and you're a police officer. He does not care. 
<laughs> he's not corrupt. He just doesn't care. Cool. I, I, I dig that. <laughs> um, he's yeah, jaded, cynical. Exactly. And their service is just for exposition and to cut to information passing. So if he had his way, he'd just sit around, he'd like cruise around in his car and drink coffee and kind of do nothing? That is what they do. They see some yeah. kids smoking a reefer and Emmy Rossum gets out to go collar them and he's like, it's fine. It's legal. She says, it's legal to purchase and smoke at home, but they're just in the middle of the street. Like, all balls out. He's like, I don't care. Get back in the car. So right. he really doesn't care. Uh, now the Viking realizes that he made a mistake and that White Bull wasn't the guy taking out all of his crew. He says, we need to make a gift to make things right. How did he realize that? Because Coxman put a hit on him. He just puts it together. Coxman must be all the other prior kills too. So, right. But then he's, but he's killed Coxman, so he's put it to bed. Yeah, but he wants to apologize to White Bull for their mistake. Oh, that's nice. And their gift and their gesture for that mistake is to kill Dexter and behead him. Dexter, if you recall, is Mustang's secret lover. Well, that's not going to go over well. Mustang is upset. The way to apologize is to kill one of his own men. Like, I killed one of mine. Yes. Yes. Even though it was White Bull's son. Any of mine? Just, just, like, it doesn't, he just picked one. Yeah, Dexter was giving him some lip and he got chosen. So he kind of he was like basically like you may have thinking about thought of, or thought about getting revenge on me, but I, I just did it, did it for you kind of like we're even kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, my mistake. Here's my gesture. Please accept this token of <laughs> our going and back sorry, to the he, deal. He, he decapitates him and what delivers him delivers the decapitated body. I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Mustang's really me. upset, obviously, because it's his secret lover. Then another guy in Vikings crew, Sly takes the offering to White Bull in a box to just the head. And White Bull monologues about how he started off as a homeless person and he was somewhat saved by Viking's dad who took him out from the cold, shook his hand, and gave him a deal. But it wasn't a great deal. It was an okay deal. And now they're not even honoring that deal by uh, going into the Kehoe turf. Right, because that that element you can chop off the head of one of your men and send it as a apology tit for tat. I killed one of yours and I've killed one of mine, but he hasn't addressed the larger issue of the turf war of Kehoe. Correct. That remains, that remains a problem. And it was his son that they killed. Yes. So yes. probably not going to just take yeah, it. It's any not head. really tit for tat. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's telling Sly. He says, I reject this deal. And then he shoots Sly f- from below his desk, through the desk and into Sly. And solo style. And, uh, now Sly gets his card as well, as has Dexter. R.I.P. Sly. <laughs> yep. He says, I need a son for a son. So White Bull sends out a couple of his guys to watch the son, Viking son, at school. At the same time, Liam is doing the same, both staking out the son. Liam and gets why, <clears throat> why is Liam staking out the son? He just figures it's a good way to get to Viking? Yep. Okay. Liam gets to yep. him first, and whisks him off into his car and to his cabin, his remote cabin. Uh, and the disappointed white bull guys realize that someone else got to him first. So just to at least get something under their belt, they get a tip that someone is at a certain motel room. And so the bone <laughs> story finally and really nicely pays off where we see uh-huh. him set the stage for his move and then we see 
the white bull guys, including War Dog, pay off the maids and burst into the room. And then all we see is a $20 bill float up into the air with a bullet hole in it. Ugh. War Dog. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> and then I assume we see a title card that says Bone. Yes, we do. Um, Viking goes mental, trying to figure out who took his son, and he's screaming. Everyone knows when you take a man's son, you call. That's just par for the course. Why hasn't anyone <laughs> called me yet? And he's just railing about it. <laughs> I found it wrong. amusing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the ex-wife okay. shows up thinking that uh, it's supposed to be her week, and she thinks that Viking took the son, and she lays into him, and then realizes that he's been kidnapped, and she says, you have 24 hours to find him before I call the police. You're going to hell. He's like, I'll wow. see you there. Bye. Um, oh. Then this part, I didn't totally understand what their motive was, but the White Bull crew, led by War Dog, checks into the fancy Kehoe Resort to, like, have a new base camp. And they walk up to the front desk lady, and she says, you need to have a reservation. And they say, excuse me? She says, you need to have a reservation. And they say, I'm sorry, what? And she says, and she realizes why they're taking offense. Maybe taking offense? She says, no, no, no. I mean, you have to have a booking ahead. Not that, you know, I didn't mean because, uh. And Warlock says, um, all I heard was that you said we had to go back to the reservation. So I guess you should look again at your bookings or get your manager out there because you have no idea what I could do to you on Yelp. (laughs) (laughs) Wardog is fighting on multiple fronts. Yeah. (laughs) So they get the rooms. Um, so all of the White Bull crew are frolicking in the snow because in addition to getting their bookings, the desk girl also gives them vouchers for the ski lifts to apologize for the misunderstanding. So they're just kind of enjoying winter athletics. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Good for them. Is White Bull there? He's there. He's kind of standing apart and then he starts wailing mournfully, but it's so loud and like mountainy that it kind of gets drowned out. Um, but it was a touching scene. And uh, one of their guys, Avalanche, starts running with a parasail thing. And the hotel worker says, are you sure you know what you're doing? And he says, I was born to fly. So he runs <laughs> off and like le- leaps into the air and is doing the paragliding thing. Um, so that happens. Back to the cabin. Le- <laughs> Liam and the son are bonding. And the son says, can you read me anything? And I don't care what it is. I just need a story before bed. So Liam reads him from his plow manual and the son is really intrigued. He's like, I'd love to go out on that plow. It sounds so cool. And then the son kind of falls asleep in the crook of Liam's arm. He feels yeah. fine. <laughs> he feels fine. So he, he's a smart kid. We've, we've emphasized that he's precocious. Yeah. He, he knows his father's a gangster. He knows that in this world, one might be kidnapped. Is that kind of... He seems pretty resigned to it. And then as he falls asleep... Oh, he also asks Liam if he has any family, and he says no. But then Liam puts him up in Kyle's former bedroom, and he says, you said you didn't have any kids. And Liam says he went away. So I guess he feels like a little bit of sympathy for Liam, though they don't go into any further detail. Um, And then he falls asleep on Liam in the son's bed. Mm -hmm. And as he's falling asleep... He whispers, have you ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? The kid whispers that. I love the kid. Yeah, the kid's on fire. Yeah. And he doesn't even say it as a joke. He means it. The kid's on fire. (laughs) Yeah. And he he won Mustang, his fantasy football league. He 
handles being kidnapped very well. <laughs> yep. Uh, he, we know he's healthy uh, because of his diet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's getting a lot of protein. Yeah. So much. Just but clean and lean protein. Yeah, and greens. Um, he's, t- he's on that keto life. <laughs> yeah. Back at the Viking residence, his guys bring someone home who says he might have some information. It's the janitor from the kid's school. And he recounts a story of an occasion where he was getting a blowy from his lady and while driving. And he was so distracted that he drove off the road and the guy to come help him was none other than Liam Neeson because that's kind of part of his gig, like helping roadside assistance in the mountains. And so he identifies him. Sorry, blowy, his words or yours? Mine. Okay, His good. were even more graphic. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, and so he identifies Liam as the same guy as the blowy guy and the guy who took the sun. He saw him take the sun. Mm. And That's Viking what he gets says, for helping blowy guy. Yeah. Viking says, thank you very much. How did my, what did my guys offer you for this information? And he says, 10 grand. And he says, very good. Here you go. And then they kill him, and he gets his card. So, because he's dinner has ID'd him, and he knew his name, Viking says, there's a second coxman, of course. And he puts it together that there must be a relative coxman in play. They're finally able to connect by phone. It's unclear who calls who, but Viking and Liam are on the phone together, and Liam says, I've got your son. Come to my residence, and we'll deal with it there. Viking says... Come to my house? Yep. Viking says, it'll All take right. me three hours to get to Kehoe. I'll be there then. But actually, he's already there. Because he's already figured it out. Mm. Viking is like already in Kehoe. Yeah. He's in Kehoe. But I feel like Neeson's ready for him. Coxman's booby-trapped the house or something. Well, Liam takes the boy out plowing. Uh, <sighs> per <That's> request. <laughs> troublesome sentence. <laughs> All right, phrasing, but cool, yeah, I'm down. He's a plowman. <laughs> what do you want? That's his job. Coxman's a plowman. <laughs> Coxman takes the boy out plowing. <laughs> Jesus. And they run into Rawls, and he says, this is my nephew. Uh, he's visiting. And Rawls says, it's really nice that you have so much support. I saw all the cars at your house. And Neeson clues in that Viking and crew have already arrived. So he's able to use that information to his advantage and not go back as a sitting duck. So sorry, he takes the kid out plowing partly because the kid showed an interest in it, but partly because he he still has a job to do. Like, he's still like, oh, gotta go to work. <laughs> kind of. And he has three hours to kill. Because yeah. they agreed to meet in right, three he's hours. Like, he's like, yeah, well, I can't slack on my duties. So <laughs> How are other people going to get to and fro Kiho if I don't do this? And uh, Rawls is solo. He's not with any Rossum. Yes. And Rawls puts nothing together, I assume. He just nothing. gives the information and blissfully moves on. Like, yeah. There were a lot of cars at your house. I'm going to believe that this is your nephew. Moving See you later. On. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yep. Uh, at the house, Viking puts it together. He sees the business logo of the plow company and is able to find out the location of the plow garage. Where... Sorry, is the company called Coxman Plowing? <laughs> no, it's called like Over Road or something. Something pretty ah, bland. Yeah, it bad. doesn't use the Coxman name. Mm, uh, so Liam's there and he's training his gun in the open road, just trying to figure out where to best position himself. And then he tells the boy, 
I'm going to leave you here in a safe, play, safe place. You'll be found. Don't worry about it. So he does put him somewhere out of harm's way. And they're at the garage. Yeah. The plow garage. Um, and is, yeah. and, Lee, and Neeson is now, I think in the trailer I saw this part where he, he has a rifle now, like something with a scope on it, more distance gun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Getting I think that's true. With it. I don't know where he got it. Maybe he always had it, but yeah, he does. He's a hunter. Yeah. That's true. He's, He's a hunter. hunter. Yeah. Yeah, because he can't shotgun in this situation. Especially that with the right. sawed-off. That's right. They don't really show him, like, prepping in that way, but you're right. Okay. Um, meanwhile, Mustang, and if you'll remember, I told you his loyalty to the Cleveland Browns does matter. <laughs> oh. He's so loyal to his love for Dexter and so angry that they killed him that he calls the White Bull crew and lets them know what's up. Hmm. And right. what is up, and what's up meaning... They Viking are, where and his they crew are. are heading to the plow garage. Yes. Yeah, we don't hear his conversation. We just see him calling, and we know what he's done. Got it. And so both crews converge. White Bull crew, Viking crew, Liam's also there. And just a massive shootout unfolds. Everyone is getting killed. We don't see cards. They're just happening. There's no time for cards. No time for cards. And everyone seems to be purposely avoiding shooting Liam. I don't know if that's just my read on it or they he just was able to get out of way, but everyone is getting killed. So they're all like out in the open shooting each other, like hiding behind cars and stuff? Like Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Is um, and Liam Liam is shooting at the Viking crew? He's just kind of trying to escape getting shot at. Okay. Um, yeah, because he's he wouldn't be shooting at, at uh the white other crew, right? Yeah, he's got no. no beef with the white bull crew. And no. he didn't okay. expect this severity situation right. to have occurred. Right. So it's uh, expect- uh, beyond what he was prepared for. He was expecting to take on a, a gang as an army of one. He was <laughs> expecting to get in a gunfight with a bunch of gangsters by himself. Yeah. That was his plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was his plan. <laughs> Uh, Viking is about to drive off when Liam gets into his plow and his equipment, and I guess it has other functions than just plowing, so he, uh, takes a tree out of the ground, like, heaves it out of the ground, mm-hmm. and then, like, she's it, I don't know what the right word would be, D leaves it, like, just makes it a log, yep. uh, and then impales the car, not Viking, just the car, but it prevents Viking from driving off. As his car has been impaled into the ground with a tree branch. So while okay. Viking is frantically trying to figure out what to do, White Bull solemnly and slowly walks up and plugs him with his gun. Then we do get a card. It's 12 guys of uh, part Viking people, part White Bull people. Ooh, 12 pack. I counted. I like yeah, it was 12. That. I like uh, that. And Liam drives off in his plow. White Bull has snuck on. He climbs into the front part what's that called the cab the cab and trains his gun on liam back at the scene of the crime emmy and rawls have shown up save the boy and they find viking who was not in the card and he's still alive and choking on his own blood and he says tell my ex-wife she's a and (laughs) (laughs) that's as far as he gets when he dies he hates that ex-wife yeah uh, and then he gets He's his a sassy card. one till the end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Were there any other notable names on the card? Uh, Avalanche, Wardog. Wardog definitely dies. Aww. Aww. Um, 
but ask your question about the avalanche, this happens. So uh, <laughs> Liam and White Bull have come to a silent accord. I guess they realize what their connection is, and they're just happily, smilingly driving the plow together in peace, at which point avalanche still in the parachute sails into the area and lands like into the plow, like into where it like collects snow and gets like churned up. What? What? You like just... the back of the the back of the truck. Like the blower part. Uh, okay. He lands there and then what? He's just there. He just lands in it and I guess gets torn to shreds. Oh. While but, they're driving in it? Yeah. He just comes flying out of nowhere and into the into the churner. Yeah. But just just because there needed to be another death in this movie? Yeah, just a nice little button and he gets his card. It's like what happened to um the one the guy in uh Deadpool two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh okay. Finn, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um Okay. Well, I have to go see this right now. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair.
getting started. Oh, I love you, Ken. <laughs>